It is Way of the Warrior, Eric Alcorn, along with Ken Evans, covering everything in the world of mixed martial arts. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about standing for the NFL. No. No, what are you talking about? I don't know. We're not going to do the, the NFL standing rule. Yes, well, the UFC was thinking about imposing some type of similar rule for what? When for the, the national anthem? So the fighters. They realize all the fighters are in the back, so it okay. doesn't matter. Got it. Fair enough. Kind of like the NFL was in 2009, but we're really not going to get into whether or not they did it just because the USA started giving them government money. No, we won't get into that at all. That's for another time on another podcast with lots more alcohol. Um, but today we're talking about. The ESPN deal that just got a whole lot bigger two days ago. Yeah, what 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 I want to really know in in this new era of valuation and episodes, why we're not getting a deal of any sort. I mean, there's there's billions of dollars in the past. What four days? Yes, three point eight billion dollars in rights fees for UFC and WWE, yep. which are kind of intertwined because when the money comes out of one pocket, it goes away from the other, vice versa, that type of thing. That's gone out essentially for the same audience that we're reaching, right? Yes, four billion dollars. As I'm doing some calculations, our evaluation is not quite. There. It's not there. No, it's not quite. Can we get like a half a million per episode? Yeah, maybe. I would deal- take that. Yeah. I, at this point, I would take $100 an episode. $100 an episode, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You need your business sponsorship. I mean, our, I'll take some pro wrestling tease money at this point. I don't care. Our, we will cover the CM Punk fight from top to bottom, sideways, left and right. Which we will talk about because I, I got some issues with that whole thing. Okay. Um, okay. Outside of the fight itself, I got some issues with how they're handling it. But this is what happened. Uh, when we t- spoke last time, we were talking about the ESPN Plus deal, and mm-hmm. Ken was getting really, really into the weeds about the WWE deal that was forthcoming, and that came to fruition on Monday, Tuesday? Monday, Tuesday. We found, by Tuesday, we had the deals for both of those done, which essentially uh, gave the WWE uh, $2.2 billion in rights fees over the next five years for two shows. To land on Big Fox. Big Fox and... NBC Universal. Yes. So that happened. And then yesterday, the news broke that the ESPN team found some more Disney money. So -hmm. they wanted to lock up the UFC writ large. So we're going to handle as much of this as we possibly can, because I know that there's about a billion questions around this deal. But let's break it down. The deal last week was $400 million for 15 events mm-hmm. on ESPN Plus, their new app that you would pay $4.99 for, and then you could upgrade to Fight Pass and have access to all Fight Pass things. Okay. And Ken and I thought that was really weird and super confusing. Apparently, so did everybody at ESPN, because as I'm talking to you now, the deal includes this. $1.5 billion in cash, so $300 million a year for the length of the contract, which gets ESPN the following. 20 events on ESPN Plus called ESPN Plus UFC Fight Nights, then 10 events that are called ESPN Fight Nights, and then 12 prelims that air exclusively on ESPN that match with the 12 pay-per-views that we are keeping. And unfortunately, before you ask, yes, Face the Pain gets to stay. Okay, so the interesting part about that, (laughs) reset me here, 12 pay-per-view Ugh, prelims not right. 12 event prelims 12 pay-per-view prelims that attach to the 12 pay-per-views and how many events events total across espn plus and espn are 30 okay how many on espn T- 10 okay so this this money wise is great for the ufc this deal turned out better than they could have hoped yes. because they're essentially getting 300 million dollars a year for the combined package 
in what is probably the worst negotiating window they could have had, considering their fighters, their pay-per-view numbers, yep. everything else that's going on. They also get some of this as a loss leader, I'm sure, from ESPN, who are trying to drive to the ESPN Plus app. The thing that we take away now is that we talked a lot about valuation and what this event is worth and what this event is worth and what this event is worth and maybe doing less pay-per-views so you actually make money on those is going to be a thing that the UFC looks at. Now, 12 is a cut because we've had occasional months where we have had two a month. So they're they're straight up saying, hey, look, we're going to do this once a month. I guess that's a baby step in the right direction. I was hoping for a more drastic step. And the reason I, I made you kind of lay out those prelims versus actual ESPN events, two things. One is just to clarify that these aren't prelims, because UFC on Fox or FS1 and things like that, they do the prelims, then they roll right into their own card in the most ridiculous branding ever where they separate them, yet they just run continuously. Or yes. maybe it's genius branding, so I don't feel overwhelmed by a six-hour show. I don't, I don't know which it is, but for somebody who's paying attention to the fights, it's a little confusing sometimes to see the UFC on F- FS1 prelims with the headliners' names, but still prelims at the end. <laughs> I right. think there's a better way to do that. Regardless, I want to verify and, and talk about the fact that those are actual separate events. The other thing, too, is... When we talk about events and what ESPN is going to be provided versus what they're paying, one of the dynamics that I guess I didn't consider last week because I simply thought that we were going to see a different type of UFC event was the fact that these prelims would be included in the way they currently are in the new deal, which will give the UFC some cushion on those 12 pay-per-views. Because essentially, if you really want to break it out, they're still being paid to put those on as prelims. Now... Again, you've got to put all these other events on. Is it is it now worth four million? Is it worth five million? I mean, what what are we total events prelims? Thirty events, right? ESPN plus thirty events that are exclusive to ESPN, and then with the prelims and the pay per views, you now have forty two total events that have been spoken of in two thousand nineteen. Okay, so that's forty two events for ESPN. Whether it's an ESPN plus, whether it's an ESPN fight night, whether it's ESPN prelims, forty two events. Correct. So, if, you know, I will now do my public school math, which is the 300 million, and we're going to divide that by the 42 events. Of course, my public school math didn't put the comma in the right spot. What do, what do we have here? So 300 million divided by the 42. Let's just do this. I'm going to do this a different way because my calculator's screwing up. Uh, da, da, da. That is not zero. Okay, this is really wrong. What is 300 million divided by the 42? So 7.14 million per event. Now that's across platforms. Yep. That's a lot of cushion for the UFC to put a prelim on and still make money for the night. And again, I know that's not the exact math. They're not going to necessarily attribute the $7.14 million to prelims on ESPN. No. But that is going to cover the production costs, the arena rental, uh, probably a decent amount of the fighters pay. And, and remember, guys, if we're talking business right now, doesn't include gate, doesn't include sponsorships, no. doesn't include pay-per-view buys. Well, and if we're going to talk about the business side, too, obviously there's a marketing budget that goes with UFC. The fact that they were able to line this all up under ESPN, though, is going to make that synergy insane. Yep. I don't know. I, I gave Fox a lot of credit, and I still give them a lot of credit. Fox Sports, FS1, Big Fox, 
FS2. They did a great job integrating UFC and becoming the brand for UFC and vice versa. But I will tell you what, this is, <laughs> to, to borrow an old wrestling term, this is where the big boys play when it comes to ESPN and integrating vertical, horizontally, left, down, upright. <laughs> they know how to integrate brands yep. into their networks. The carriage, or is it carriage? Is it carriage fees? Carriage, yeah. carriage fees are almost $9 if you do an ESPN 1 and 2 on your cable system, which is freaking unheard of. Like, I mean, for example, Fox Sports 1 is less than a buck if you you want to break it out on your cable bill. And that goes back to the ESPN deals from years ago and inheriting uh, certain aspects of certain deals and basically being the must-have. I mean, that's the big thing. If you're a cord cutter, the last bastion of holdouts for cord cutting are people that want to watch what? ESPN and live sports. Live sports is A, and probably A1, A2, ESPN. is just It's just considered integral to live sports at this point. Now, and one more thing to add to this as you're talking about the brand equity of ESPN is Ken and I were at an event two weeks ago when there was a fight on FS1, I believe, and we were at the bar, and the bar didn't know how to get to FS1, mm. right? That's not a problem no. when you're talking about how to get to ESPN. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's one of the things, too. I mean, ESPN literally, they build the shows. If you ever watch ESPN, they build the shows around graphics because they want bars and airports. They've always, they want it to be consistently on. They want that yep. branding to continue. I mean, you see it with CNN now. I mean, obviously, uh, they, they've built themselves around graphics and Fox News and a, any type of station that wants to be on in the background somewhere. They built it around graphics. And ESPN made a cognizant. Uh, effort at this years ago years and years ago they were way ahead of the curve nobody can doubt that so the fact that they have the entire espn ufc deal under one umbrella is going to be a very interesting thing to watch with espn are they as big as they used to be no do they have as many viewers as they used to have all the time no that's just a natural progression of media in this new world they are building the network digitally They do have the on-demand platform. They are doing a lot of unique and interesting things. They've got the Disney paycheck that they can use uh, behind them. And essentially, other than the rights fees, this is going to be a wholly produced UFC event. You joked about Face the Pain. But Face the Pain's there because you know what? ESPN, cool. We bought the product. Ship it to us, essentially. Yes. We don't want to build it. We don't want to Ikea this thing. We want to Amazon Prime this thing. We want it to show up in the box ready to yes. go. We want to drop ship the show is what they want. And that's what. And the UFC is going to be in charge of production. And I'm sure there will be UFC pre-shows, post-shows, big events, those type of things. Those are all on ESPN. Pre and post are on ESPN, too. Right. And and those things, are, and they've already, Bristol's already set for that. They're not going to, I would be really surprised to see them fly out for all of these. Just because ESPN is set up for Bristol. FS1 did it because, you know what, they're a new network. Yeah, they've got a studio in L.A. Yeah, they've got an East Coast place. They're not really tied down anywhere. ESPN spent a lot of money in Bristol. So you'll see pre- and post-shows on ESPN 2 or 3 or whatever. And you'll see guys covering the fights just like anything. I don't know if you're going to see a full set dressing like you do with some of the Fox Sports stuff. Where it gets interesting, and I don't want to get too inside baseball, though, but I know it's been asked a couple times this week, um, is... Last week, we talked about Ariel Hawani just signed with ESPN to do a podcast with Chael Sonnen. Yep. And now that ESPN and UFC are one and the same, we're right back to Ariel Hawani and Dana White. Like, yes. 
I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Let no, me, no. I, I finish your thought. Yeah, I, banging heads. I, I, well, I find it very interesting, right? Because you've got that. You've got the potential of whatever's going to happen with everybody at MMA fighting. Do they all end up in ESPN and yeah. rolled up in there? And now you've got another guy who uh, Dana has not gotten along with in Luke Thomas as part of that. Jeff Wagenheim is already there. Now, Jeff is somebody that has been um, not really... Uh, fighting with the UFC per se, mm-hmm. uh, but those guys start to roll up into this UFC umbrella. It becomes very interesting from an access point. But go ahead to whatever you were gonna. It would seem that way, but let's remember here's here's where the differences lie, and this is and and you can call it deep in the weeds, but I do like that you brought that up. This is this is your differentiation. I love FS1. I think they're doing a decent job. I actually like some of their talk shows. Uh, I know a lot of people don't. Uh, I think their coverage has been pretty good. I mean, they know what they're doing as far as sports go, but one of the things they're not necessarily good at is dealing with some of the politics of having to run their own sports network and dealing with these major leagues in a certain way. Uh, obviously, Big Fox, NFL, they've got their rules. But you know what? There's not a lot of dudes hating on the NFL. They put their little Sunday show on. They talk about the protests every once in a while. That's about it on yep. Big Fox. One of the things ESPN has been doing for years, ye- decades, this is decades-long experience, decades, they've been dealing with the commissioner of the Major League Baseball Players Association or Major League Baseball in and of itself. They've been dealing with the commissioner in the NBA. They've been dealing with four or five different NFL commissioners, and they've been dealing with owners of all of these teams, and they've been dealing with this for decades. And they did it all while they have guys like Stephen A. Smith calling out the NBA. They have it while they have panels upon panels of people calling out the NFL for this, that, and the other thing, and breaking open the concussion scandal. Politics-wise, there is no better place to be if you want to be somebody that has not only access to UFC, but to be able to call them out on their BS if they're pulling BS. Because let me tell you something that would not have happened last year if the ESPN were on UFC versus Fox. You would never, ever see a UFC guy pulled out of an arena and told he can never come back again because he broke a story. That's not going to happen. Sure. Ariel Helwani, that situation with him last year, that happened, uh, or it might be two years now. It's two years at this point, but yeah. That situation is not going to happen with an ESPN credentialed reporter. That is not going to happen, guys. Dana might call somebody and start yelling at him at ESPN, and God knows those dudes might yell right back at him. I mean, that is that is the difference here. And that's the really interesting thing to kind of see all of this play out is, yeah, guys like Luke Thomas who who are tertiarily involved or guys like Ariel Helwani who are going to be primarily involved. They're, they're not going to be able to have editorial control. ESPN, this is their yard now. This is not, hey, guys, this is great. We're coming up together, aren't we? This is cool, Fox Sports 1. Hey, your guy's yelling at us a lot, and he's breaking stories we don't like. Can we take him off the coverage? Yes, sir, Mr. Dana White. Thank you for providing 87 hours of content a day for us. Right. Okay, cool. ESPN is not going to lay off a story. Uh, you know, there there are situations where they will work with you, and they, you know, they've, they had the NFL scripted drama a couple years ago, and they pulled that off the air. They didn't like it necessarily for their partnership. But they are not necessarily going to be skittish about calling out the UFC. I mean, they've done a pretty good job in the past for all the things you can say about ESPN. They've done a pretty good job in the past to keeping that editorial side and that advertising side and then that deal-making side for the rights fees. They try to keep them all separate. I mean, sometimes it's hilarious. I remember back when they did, what was it called? The decision, the LeBron James thing when he went yes. to Miami? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That was hilarious because clearly you had like a promotion side that wants to put on this programming special where this is going to start at seven, but literally there's a banner underneath saying LeBron's decided to go to Miami because their news department's different. And the guys in news knew that LeBron was going to Miami. And while hilarious shows you that, yeah, they do. They throw that wall down in between the departments sometimes. And it looks funny and it seems stupid. But when you're kind of in media and you and I look at the situation, you go, well, that's weird. And that's got to look very strange for the audience. But that's exactly how they should be doing it. So my next question for this then is what do you because I haven't read anything about these guys yet. What do you think happens with all of the um commentators from the UFC that are on Fox. Do they go to ESPN or do they go See, out with a wash? I don't know how this is going to work. I'm still confused. Or why is, is Fox going to cover UFC somehow? Is UFC well, think, on fight night or whatever think, UFC well, tonight? Is that going to stay? I don't think that would stay, but what I do think, I think, I think you'll see some talent shift over to ESPN. Some talent might shift to UFC because they are still in charge of their own production. So that'll be kind of interesting to watch. But I mean, I, I don't I honestly don't know. I'm I'm still you still can't you still can't tell me why Jay Glazer was able to do Bellator fights but work for Fox who has a UFC deal. I don't and right. I'm clearly that's probably Jay's deal. Jay, Jay's a very very big talent. I'm sure his leverage is amazing as far as that industry goes. But that's always one of the things that confuses me a little bit. Like why is this guy allowed to do this when he works for Fox? And they've got the UFC deal. And I, I mean, clearly it comes down to money. That's one of the yep. things I point to sometimes. Where everybody's like, oh, no, poor little Bellator or big giant Viacom who threw a buttload of money at the guy who was most closely associated with UFC on Fox. I mean, there was nobody other than Jay Glazer when you wanted to meld those two. Yep. And he's working over at Bellator. So, you know, money can fix a lot of things in media. ESPN has a lot of that money. And I think we will see... Some talents move. There'll still be some FS1 coverage of UFC, so they'll keep some guys. But is that going to be the primo place to be for guys? I don't know. Like Tyron Woodley, uh, Kenny Florian, I bet you those dudes end up at ESPN or maybe doing their own thing with uh, certain uh, sites, maybe like MMA fighting. Maybe that's where those guys will land. So I don't I don't know what's going to happen to all those guys. We've got what? Seven months to figure it out now. We do. Before been, it all happens. But, I mean, if UFC's pulling in their production, I think we could easily see some of their guys doing some of that, too. And then, so, last question would be um, your thoughts on... Uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, I totally forgot my train okay. of thought here. Um, Was this about the actual production elements, the media elements? Well, Joe Rogan, was, is he going to stick around? Well, I think Joe Rogan's still signed on. I, I'd be interested to see. Well, Joe's um, got, I mean, sweetheart deal's the wrong de- the verbiage sure. for it. But it's a nice deal, and, you know, he's earned it, basically. Hey, I'll go to all the U.S. events I want to, and then cool. <laughs> you know, and then, you guys do whatever the hell you well, want. And they, you know, and they're trying a bunch of people out. There's some more right. people starting this weekend at UFC Liverpool, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Well, and I think some of that stuff will get opened up, too. I mean, I think you're going to see guys maybe at UFC uh, that we wouldn't have seen before because of the ESPN affiliation. I mean, I would I can't wait. I mean, we're. I'd love to see Max Kellerman do some of the UFC stuff. Yep. I mean, he's always been a big fan. Which gets weird because that's HB is he HBO still? Yes, right. But he does a lot of ESPN stuff right, too. But that's what I'm saying. Like now we're we you know we've got Showtime. Yeah, the boxing HBO. thing's always been yeah, weird too. Right. So we'll figure that out. My last question here's what I wanted to ask you: forty two events is that too much for you? That's way too much for me still. Okay, but so they've got con- they've context, got this huge cushion now of seven million dollars per event. Context: We did thirty eight in two thousand seventeen. Yeah, this is going the wrong way. 
this is going the wrong way. I mean, 12 pay-per-views is good. It's a small step. But the fact that we're seeing 42 oh, events. Man, I would have loved six, though. I would have liked eight. I think we could have got away with eight every six weeks, do one. Yeah, because we, I mean, we're averaging this year already three events a month. Yeah, I don't know. This is three gonna... events a month. And and again, some of this, some of this, maybe ESPN's not looking for anything more than they get from Major League Baseball. You know, a random baseball game on Thursday night, baseball's not dragging a ton of uh, people in. Maybe that's what we see—a random Thursday night UFC fight night or month. I mean, that's the other thing too. Is ESPN's got every night essentially open. If we're outside of NFL season, you can decide: Do we want Monday night fights or Monday night baseball? Do we want Tuesday night fights or Tuesday night baseball? I mean. Do you, do you think then that they can do this, a lot with that stuff over the course of this deal? Because there's not going to. Here's the one thing I think it'll help. I, I just want to stay on this real quick because you're asking about the number of events. One thing that becomes a little overwhelming with the number of events is the weekend events in the fall when you've got college and you've got pro football and you've got uh, basketball at some point in there. One thing that this deal could very easily do is go. ESPN goes. You know what, guys? This isn't working on Saturdays, Thursday nights. I want you guys to put a card on. When you're going to be in Omaha, you're going on a Thursday night. If you're going to Dubuque, Iowa, you're going to be on a Thursday night. I mean, I think you and I, if it's put on at the right time at 8 o'clock, <laughs> would tune into a Thursday night fights. Oh, yes. we got a couple hours of fights. Let's tune in. I think the fall could be where we see a, a bit of a difference made in the number of events. Because essentially, the UFC right now, all they do is Saturday, Sunday. That's it. That's it. Saturday, Sunday, and it's almost uh, man. I would say I'd say it's seven, eight out of ten Saturday versus Sunday, right? <laughs> yes. Well, we've got a Sunday this weekend, but yeah, it's, Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Now. So um, that's that's the thing where this can help. I think ESPN is going to tell UFC you got to get the hell out of the way when it comes to football. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then so this was going to be my question: is over the course of the five years, which is the length of this current contract, is do you think ESPN will be the brand that's able to move this, when you use your baseball example, move this to be a sport about fighting and not a sport about stars? No. You need stars still. There's a there's a reason. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yes, say- you need stars still. But when you're trying to do random Tuesday and Thursday nights, you need you also need people that are like, yeah, I want to watch fighting. Okay. Here, here's what I'm going to tell you. Stars, brands, they can be interchangeable. In fact, they're one in the same oftentimes. The reason I said Tuesday night baseball or Thursday night baseball, I didn't say Sunday night baseball because what is Sunday night baseball on ESPN? Yankees, Red Sox. Okay. Yankees, Red Sox, two big brands. Yep. So when they want the brands on, they'll get the prime time. They'll get the sweet spot. You, you've still got to have brands in this sport. And as much as UFC would like to be the brand that just draws the eyeballs in, if you're running two, 42 events, your brand's not actually UFC. Your brand is the fighters that you're putting on the cards. As this weekend indicates, right? Because there's really not much going on underneath no. the, the Till and Wonder Boy fight, right? And which is which is even a fun fight, but I mean, are you going to draw a lot of people out of their weekend plans for that? Not at one in the afternoon, you're not. One in the afternoon? One in the afternoon. Against the Indy 500? Yes. Literally. Actually. Okay. <laughs> you say actually now, so you, we're not confused. We use the term literally right. Do you say actually so that people know we're not using it like a 13-year-old girl? Correct. Okay. <laughs> like actually, literally, they're the same thing, Eric. They are the same thing. But, and that's, get you know, confused. That's our segue into Sunday afternoon. We do UFC Liverpool, which is headlined by Darren Till and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson on FS1. Um, and one more reverse segue because I thought this was an interesting take on um, Luke Thomas's uh, MMA chat this week 
is the conversation about like you've got this deal signed. Do you now just put hot garbage on Fox for the rest of the year? No, I, I mean no. These guys are professionals. They might have to work together again someday. I mean, let let I don't want to go too deep into this, but the WWE didn't put hot garbage on the USA Network for the last year of their deal before they moved to TNN back in the day. And they came back with one of the richest deals ever the next time around, which has now morphed into two point two billion dollars. Sure. You don't you don't burn bridges in that way. And also in a way that Dana White could burn them in a way that could be untenable later. And that's just because of his personality, not right or wrong. Just like if Dana White says, hey, screw you guys, we're going to put on whatever fights we want. You know, a lot of these old media ties can be like, screw you, you're never going to be on my network again. Yep. That's not going to happen. And I think you proved the point by posting the next big Fox card on our Facebook page. Which is awesome. Which looks like a lot of fun. I mean, as far as the UFC has been, this is close to some of their pay-per-view cards. Yeah, well, this is as interesting, and you can read off the fights in a second, as interesting as the two pay-per-views that we're interested in, UFC Chicago right. and UFC Stipe and DC. Well, you got Joanna Ginger Check, uh, you've got Jose Aldo, and you've Eddie got Alvarez. And Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier, too, at the top of the card. Yeah. So that's a great... Man, I'm, I will watch that. It's going to be on at 8 o'clock. It's yep. got some good fighters, and boom, which, we're going to knock it down on Big Fox. When you're talking about... like this is, And I promise we'll get to Liverpool, because I do want to talk about that fight for a second. We're not going to Liverpool. Like, um... I, well, look, I think that fight's important. We should talk no, about I it. No, I know. I'm um, kidding. But, but, like, the one thing I would love to get out of ESPN, if we're, you know, I agree with you, you need stars. The one thing, the one, if we can't get rid of Face the Pain, if we can't lower the amount of events, can we please, for the love of God, start them at 8 o'clock? Yeah, other than pay-per-views? D- yes. Can yes. you please all the like the 98 other events that you're throwing out there for Tuesday night fights or Thursday night fights or Wednesday afternoon? Can we please start at 8? Well, here here would be the one thing that I think could be an issue there. And it'll, it'll all depend and we're going to see, we're going to learn a lot next year how ESPN wants to roll this out. Uh you know, uh I know they're set in Bristol. They're on the Eastern time zone, which I think should help some of that because they're going to be thinking about their Eastern audience, and that's where the most people are. Even nine. Just one hour. Even nine. But you could also you could also theoretically make an argument if your ESPN is like, somebody's got to start maximizing West Coast. Maybe we use these UFC events for that. So after baseball or after this, that, or the other, yeah, we've got a 10 o'clock card. I, I think we'll still see some of that. But, yeah, I think – I'm hoping we'll see a little more of a push to the Eastern time zone and we'll see a little bit of a push on that app too, because time zones yeah. don't matter as much on apps. And I don't look, I don't mind the pay-per-view. That's not what I'm saying. I would love them to fix the timing of the pay-per-view. Cause I still think you can wrap this thing up before two in the morning as they do right. sometimes, but I don't mind starting at 10 o'clock. I get the game that we're playing. I get it. But I just think while you're doing 30 events, 10, 20 on the app, 10 on ESPN proper, it would be nice to emulate some of what came out of Fox and move that stuff to a better, more primetime time, is mm-hmm. all I'm saying. And even an hour would be a great concession. Okay, that brings us to UFC Liverpool, which is in Liverpool heretofore, is at 1 p.m. in the Eastern time zone on Sunday afternoon. Hmm. Headlined by <laughs> Darren Till and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. What do you want me to give you? You want to break I, down Manny no, Bermudez no, versus I, Davey Grant? I You're looking at me. No, I want your thoughts on. Clearly, this. I like when you can tell I have the Wikipedia page open yes. to him. Like, yeah. I want your thoughts on the like, welterweight fight because that's what I think people care about. Half this card doesn't have Wikipedia pages. Uh, I think this should be a fun fight for uh, Wonderboy. 
I you're going to pick Wonderboy? Yeah, you're picking Darren Till? Well, so that's the interesting thing, right, is he wins a fight against Cowboy, he mm-hmm. immediately gets ranked, and now he's up against the, what has been the number one contender at this division. And so the questions around this kid are fascinating. At 25 years old, is he the real deal? And if he supplants Wonderboy Thompson, I think that's a lock. The questions are, Wonderboy has reams more experience with better, more seasoned veteran fighters. However, he's got Reams more being punched in the head and could be showing some wear with his time in the octagon, the ring, the squared circle, the street fighting, whatever he's been doing his whole street life. <laughs> well, he's been fighting since he's like six. So Who has? Wonder Boy's been like in karate since he was like oh. a child. He's only been fighting professionally for eight years, though. Isn't that kind of crazy? Yeah, but doesn't he have like six trillion fights? He's got a lot of fights in those eight years. He's like 30-something. Yeah, it's a lot 14, of fights. 2 and 1 in the last, like, eight years. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to go to the Way of the Warrior notebook here and pull out my He Just Turned 35 page. Yes. And that's what we have with Wonderboy. And I think that's very much in play when you talk about all the fights. And, yes, he, he's he's been doing, like, jujitsu and kickboxing and all that stuff for a long time. Um he has like 60 kickboxing fights, so I, now I see what you're talking about. I I still think he's going to win, but I mean, he could ease, this could easily be that case where you get old in the cage, especially after taking as much damage as you did. And it, it's tough to kind of decide where he is. I think, when did he fight last? November? He looked he looked okay against Jorge Masvidal, yep. but I think a lot of people were picking him like to TKO. Well, but I, I honestly... Especially after the welterweight championship fights. I honestly think, though, that... For his entire career, people have counted Masvidal out of these fights for some reason, and he's always a game opponent yeah. who's going to push you. Um, I I love Till. I think this is a fantastically fun fight that no one will watch mm-hmm. when it's air. You know, it's aired. So to your point, a minute ago talking about the app, like if we're talking about asynchronous viewing, meaning you're not viewing while it's on, mm-hmm. who cares what time it's on? One o'clock in the afternoon. No one at the UFC headquarters is like we're going to do bang up ratings at one o'clock against. Right. The Indy 500 and 80-degree weather and Memorial Day weekend. Right. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. So, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things if we can watch it later, uh, which FS1 has actually done a pretty good job with, and that's what this card's on, right? FS1? Or is it on the Fight Pass? FS1. Okay. Which So, that I, so it's not quite on demand, but I'm sure the replay will be later that night, I'm hoping. I would hope so. Um, and I have not read about the replay. But so one more question about the ESPN thing since you brought it up. Okay. What do you think what do you think happens to Fight Pass? Do we need is does it st- it doesn't have any events anymore? No. And it's now just an archive. So is it a free thing that they just use to gain data from fight fans? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, do you maintain it? I mean I'd ask you as the branding guy, do you want to maintain something that's not really of value just because your name's on it? I mean, you know Costco on Twitter, and I'm only using this as a weird little example. Uh, <laughs> like they're on Twitter, but they don't do anything. They yep. lock down the name. They lock down they the name and they left. Yes, because they're not going to maintain it. Right. So if you're not going to maintain it, is that good or bad for your brand, Eric? Well, so to use the Costco example, it's bad if someone loves Twitter and wants to talk to your brand and you're not there. So if somebody goes to this app expecting it to do A and it only does C, that's bad for your brand. What? Okay, what, but I mean, that's e- that's even my comparison wasn't that great then, because at least communication is the heart of Twitter. Communication is not the heart of an app for yes. fights. What I'm saying is you would need to come out and pivot and say, Fight Pass 
is now going to be the archive of all the UFC stuff that we've done. And it's free if you're an ESPN Plus or ESPN Cable subscriber, Maybe. right? Yeah. And then now we're going to, this is what I would do. Now we're going to curate on a weekly basis since we have a trillion events playlists of the fights you need to watch before you watch this fight. So here's Darren Till versus Cowboy. Here's Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's last three fights in a playlist that you can watch super easy on your phone and get caught up with like the action that's happening. You know, and to your point, the guys that don't have Wikipedia pages, half of them have fought in the UFC. Here's all these guys you don't know and their miraculous finishes in 10 seconds. Yeah, I always thought that was a really cool thing that you would see. And I, when we when we were covering uh, Money Mayweather a lot back in the day, th- we would always be able to basically turn on... Uh, God, I don't even remember where they did it. It was always free, though. But they would always show all of Floyd's other fights for free whenever yep. he had a fight coming up. They didn't care that you had to pay for it the first time or it was a pay-per-view or whatever. Correct. They would put it on whatever those little on-demand networks were. Yeah. Hey, you want to watch Floyd's seven fights prior to this? Boom, here they are. Here's one thing that I think could be very interesting, and, and I only bring it up because the landscape in just a week has changed so dramatically. You have to wonder at what point the UFC wants the whole pie as far as that $70 goes. And maybe that's the one thing we could see, probably not initially at the beginning of next year, but maybe that's one thing we could see is they've got essentially the cushion, for lack of a better term, of $300 million a year. Basically, they've got an operating budget where they it, that's what they can use, and everything else is gravy on top of that. You have to wonder if they want to look at Fight Pass and go, this is now going to be our pay-per-view app. We've pushed this. Oh. We've pushed this in a way. I mean, here's one thing I will give the UFC credit with. They pushed it in a way, and I've seen a lot of other providers try to do this and just stumble, stumble, not find their way, lose their footing. They are wherever you need them to be. They're on your Apple TV. They're on my PlayStation 4. They're on your Xbox. They're on my Roku. Penetration and ease of use of the actual app, it works, essentially, Yes, is there. So if you now tell me, this is where the pay-per-views are. And instead of 70, they're 49.99. Or you get a subscription, you want to buy a year's worth of pay-per-views, you can do that. So instead of let's say $1200. So it's Sunday ticket is what you're whatever. Okay. And that's your app. And that's that's the thing most people don't realize again about pay-per-views because when this one last one fell apart with uh um who stepped in against uh Namagamedov. Oh, Fer- Ferguson. The Ferguson thing. <laughs> How do I forget that fight? That right. fight never happens. Um, so Ferguson gets knocked out. And then everybody online's like, I'd buy it, but you got to change it to $20, guys. They can't. Right. They have deals with satellite providers and cable providers. This fi- You cannot charge less on an app than you can charge on those platforms, and those platforms' prices are set. Who knows? Maybe the UFC goes to a tiered pay-per-view system. I mean, we saw a little bit of that. They never really made a big deal out of it, but you and I would notice it here and there. Like, oh, John Jones is on this card. This is going to be forty nine ninety nine. Five bucks more, or whatever. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, this card's a kind of a lower end card. It's going to be thirty nine ninety nine. Yep. That was happening on occasion, and I think if you're inside the UFC and you're looking at all the money that's coming in, and you're looking at the fact that we have essentially have seven million dollars in operating expenses, and again, you don't want to do that. Let's let's knock it way down. Let's let's we're going to make five million dollars on every event. We got two million free dollars to start with for every single event. And again, we're assigning the math to each event. That's before pay-per-view dollars come in. If you're UFC and you can make twenty four ninety nine a month off of Demetrius Johnson 
And then, well, guys, you know Connor's fighting. That's going to be forty nine ninety nine, and they take a hundred percent of that. They're probably still coming out ahead of what happened on Direct TV and what happened on uh, Charter or whatever service you have. And one of the things is, you know, willing to take the leap and really do it and pay for it and do it right. I mean, that was the biggest thing with WWE when they wanted to go to this system is making sure those pay-per-views are still streaming properly. And they had bugs to work out. You know, if I'm Dana White, I call MLB TV who run the back end of WWE stuff. And they've gone through the growing pains and the bumps and the WrestleManias that have locked up years ago. Right. Uh, That doesn't happen anymore. So maybe you want 100% of that. Maybe that's what you do with your app next, because I think that is your that's your next revenue stream. You can do all the sponsorships you want. You've made your TV deal. This is your money coming in for the next five years. You know, everything else is ancillary. We're not going to sell a ton of Reebok jerseys. You know, you're not going to make a billion dollars on a Reebok deal. Right. So you've got to figure something out here. And that's one of those things where uh, when you're doing these deals, you've got to be cognizant of that and then know that, you know what? Maybe we need to take more of our pie when it's our premium events, which is pay-per-view. I really think, you know, kind of looking over the past two weeks and seeing how things have changed, I think that is your logical step. But again, there's a lot more involved sometimes than a guy like you or I know about the situation. But that, I mean, what do you think of that? Changing that app to be archives and pay-per-view. Yeah, I love that idea if the archives are free because that's how you get everybody into the app. Like, here's all the playlists Mm -hmm. that you can watch all day long. Or you do it super cheap for the archives. Yep. Or like, uh, and you, I like your add-on idea. Uh, UFC archives are free with ESPN Plus or ESPN. And then log in with your provider. Yeah, log in with your provider, provider, and then you get uh, access to the pay-per-views on this tiered system. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more fighting before we get out of here. Uh, last weekend we had uh, Damian Maya and Usman fighting. To your point about uh, lead-ins when you were talking about doubling down on the West Coast, Mm -hmm. did 870,000 viewers, which was 9% above anything on FS1 in 2017. Wow. And it was a lead-in from almost 2.5 million people watching NASCAR. So there might be some logic to what you're talking about. Um, Here's what I want to ask you. Did you watch it? I did not see the card. Okay. So uh, for those of you who are listening and watch the fight, what I thought was really fascinating is Usman wins a decision, breaks both of his hands in the fight, so he's going to be out for a minute. I didn't know that. I saw some highlights of that fight. That's the only thing I saw. There's a moment in the first round where Damian Maya is going for back control and it gets broken up by the ref, which might have been his only chance to win the fight, which I just think is an interesting thing to talk about in how these fights are refed and that that ref had a huge impact on Damien's ability to win that fight, especially when you've got a guy like Kamara Usman who wins with essentially no hands. Well, and here's the thing that I want to know from you is I, I've tried to dig through the Twitter outrage. There's a lot of people saying the ref cost Damien that fight. What, what was the sequence of events going on okay. there? Why was it broken up where it was? So it was broken up where it was because if you can imagine in your mind and Ken, you're sitting here, uh, Damien had Usman in essentially a stand-up twister. So he's he's turned to his side and his arm is behind mm-hmm. Damien's neck. Okay. But Damien can't get to his back because Usman can control him a little bit and keep him from going there. So they're both working. Right. It's just not super exciting. So they're both working and it goes on for about two minutes of the first round and the ref breaks it up and puts it back to standing. And from that point on, it was essentially a very boring fight, but it was Usman's fight to win, and he did, in fact, do that. I just think, look, outrage might be a little bit of a stretch, but I do feel... It was Twitter, though, to be fair. (laughs) I do feel, though, that there are still some 
growing pains in understanding the fight game that even the refs, I mean, we've talked. A so l- did you think it was a, a bad stoppage? Yeah. The, well, not stoppage, but a, a bad break. A bad break. Yeah, because they're both working. I get it. It's not entertaining, but we are not. This is this is where we break the comparison between the two products. We are not WWE with a pre-scripted, like, we're going to do this thing for, we're going to do test of strength, and then something crazy is going to happen. These guys are fighting, and they're doing something very intricate, trying to, one guy wants to get it standing up, because he doesn't want to get choked out cold. Mm -hmm. The other guy is trying to get out of this position and do what he does best, and wrestle you, and then choke you, right? right? And so, for somebody who's the initiated fan, there's a lot going on in that position. I understand that if you're the uninitiated, it looks super boring. We've got to decide uh, my opinion, not everyone's opinion. We have to decide what this sport is. Right. If it's all for visual sport, then okay, it's a fine break. If all you want is excitement, it's a fine break. If there's any sort of lean into technique, both guys were doing high-level techniques to let's make sure the other guy can't do his thing. Okay. And in that case, I think it was a bad break. My question to you is how long do you let those guys do that? If neither one is advancing and whether or not the technique is spectacular and this is just an amazing chess match, that's sort of boring, but sure. still an amazing chess mass match. How long do, can you do that without letting guys advance? Because you tell me two minutes, I'm probably with you. Three, four minutes, maybe a round. I'm sorry. I don't care if you're both that good. Yep. I'm not going to let you go on that long if neither guy is able to advance in a certain way. So let me say this. When it's broken up, when they break it up, Damian Maya is punching Usman in the liver. So he's now changed from just wrestling. Right. So and he's, movie. he's punching him in the liver and they still broke it up. Effective. Okay. So this is, I mean, it's effective enough. Well, I mean, right? I, like, I, I'm still, every time you say something like that, I think of the Kimbo fight with big country and which I hated. And yeah, they had to stop it, but that's, that's what I look at. Are these little, they weren't little, little but he's trying to get him. He's trying to soften him up to get him okay. to change. Right. Um, so, do I think you should do a whole round like that? No, but I do think if you're going to break that up, you got to break it up before he starts punching him. I'm probably with you, but just uh, for the good of the show, I disagree. I think that was a cl- very clean break, even though I haven't seen the fight. Fair enough. That ref is right on top of where he should be. For the remainder of the year, thank can, you. For the remainder of the year, can you not watch any events, and we'll just discuss just your, break, your breakdown you. of the fights that you didn't the watch. The best part about our audience is 50% of the people still agree with me. <laughs> you're right, Ken. You didn't even see that crap. <laughs> Hundred percent right. Um, but, okay, but I do. I probably agree with you again. I I didn't. I saw highlights. I didn't see that. I saw the quick break inside the highlight packet, but that doesn't tell you what happened before. The, it, look, the, it was slow before we get to the punching. I just think when he's changed, you tell him to be busy, and he's busy. Then right. you break him up. That's not good refing. Yeah, and the, and there's always going to have to be that decision. Is is where do you want these guys to be? You know, because, again, this is almost as clear-cut a case as you can get between fighters and styles and where they want to be. When you've got these two fighters, standing up versus on the ground is a totally different world. And the fact that you break these guys up and they're standing up, you've you've given the advantage to one fighter. And you've taken it away from uh, Damian Maya, who was trying to get it to the ground. Correct. So I think you have to be very cognizant of that when you're doing these breaks. If it's two guys who are trying to slug it out and they end up hugging each other against the cage for two minutes, eh, get back in the middle of the ring and yep. go do it. Yes. I think you do have to know the fighters a little bit and know at the point that you break up Damian Maya, you just took all of his work away. Yep. You took all of the work away from him. So I can see why his fans would be upset with that break because this wasn't a situation where they the plan for both of these guys is either go stand in the center of the cage or for both of these guys to try to take the other one down. Correct.
So there you go. The other uh, bit of news before we talk about UFC Chicago, uh, Fabricio Verdum has uh, popped for a test that was on April 25th, one day after he was headlining UFC Moscow against Alexei Olenek. Uh, so his camp says that nothing, that, that he'll get exonerated and this is a mistake. But, um, you know, I don't, I mean, what a, what a 24 hours to have, I guess, right? Yeah, you go from headlining to what, suspended, essentially? Well, n- nothing has happened, right? No, he but just, I mean... The test has come out for whatever whatever the reason is. They haven't been able to say what, the, what he tested for because uh-huh. of the way in which it was done. So we're still in a bit of limbo. If he gets suspended, mm-hmm. here's where it gets interesting, and I would love the Ken Evans take on this. If he gets suspended, it's Russia. Do we care? Okay, all right. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's UFC. You got to kind of care. Yeah, you can't. They can't run a card with fighters, or they're not going to. They're going to have sanctioning problems across the globe. I mean, yeah, it's Russia. Nobody cares. But you can't be UFC and do that in Russia. Ah, Strikeforce seemed to do it fine. All right, okay. <laughs> and then the last thing I wanted to ask you: all those we- Strikeforce cards coming up, we're going to be talking about. <laughs> All, Why are less, we breaking down UFC Chicago already? We're not What's breaking it down. I want to ask you a question: How be- long is this show today? It's thirty-eight minutes so far. I got 45. Whatever. Go. Okay. Um, they have taken Alistair and Curtis Blades off the main card and put them to the prelims. Oh, interesting. Moved Holly Holm and Megan Anderson to the main card. And guess who else is on the main card? Your boy CM Punk and yeah, Michael Jackson. He hasn't been moved off, though. It's not like that was a move. I, my now point, you're wound up about it? No, my point is, wouldn't you move that one? Does that one need to be on the man, main card? CM Punk? Yes. Yes, people are going to pay for that. Ugh. They're going They're going to pay for that. Whatever. I'm considering driving there for that like by myself. So there are people out there that are going to pay for the fact that he's on that card. Is this why you're is this why you're boycotting this card? I'm not boycotting this card. I just boycotting this card. I think it's interesting to take a heavyweight fight like that and put it in the prelims to have not only CM Punk, which I get the money aspect of it, but Holly Holm and Megan Anderson, I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting move to me. Yeah. Well, I, the thing is, you put Alistair on the, the prelim card, and you try to get a nice rating and people that want to watch Alistair fight that are going to buy the card for some of the upper card fights. Not for the, that. For the high level skill of CM Punk no, and for Michael the upper Jackson. Card fights. Yeah. Look in my eyes. What do you see? Yeah. I, right. Money! I'd see, I see money. And the cult of personality. And I see a guy who will no longer be in the UFC after June 8th. It looks like he just settled his deal with WWE, or at least is working on that lawsuit. What was it? Remind people like myself. Uh, he got sued by the doctor who said he defamed him on a podcast because he was talking about the fact that the medical care was lacking. And then the, it seems like the WWE was financing that guy's lawsuit against CM Punk. Got it. Uh, it was supposed to take place a couple of weeks ago. I think last week, actually. We knew it would get extended probably past. We talked about this on the podcast because of the fight camp. Uh, but they both submitted to the judge, is my understanding, that they were working on a settlement. Huh. All right. Which is very interesting considering not only the UFC fight, but the upcoming event in Chicago for CM Punk. So we'll see what all happens with that. And we'll keep you up to date. We will. As always, you can follow along uh, at 1 in the afternoon on Sunday right. for all the results of UFC Liverpool. Darren Till, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. You can find I'm us I'm going to be drunk in the snake pit, so I really hope you're on the Twitter machine. I'll, I'll be on it. Uh, at Wow Show on Twitter and Facebook. I am Eric Hulker, and that is Ken Evans, and this is Way of the Warrior. Look in my you see the cult of personality